It's time to dive into the latest news and updates from the Vegas Golden Knights. This is Nighttime at Noon on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Well, happy Monday to everyone. The perfect way to kick off this week, not only because it's nighttime at noon and we get to talk hockey, but also because it's game day and also because it is game number 1,000 for Alex Petrangelo. I'm Ashley Vice with Justin Russo. Can't wait to dive into all of it. But Justin, first, a, a big game this weekend, we could say. The Las Vegas <laughs> Strip was the center of the sports universe. How was your Super Bowl Sunday? It was really nice. I uh, watched it with a bunch of family and uh, took in the game. You know, it was feeling like, if you recall, the, the Patriots and Rams from a couple yeah. years ago, that low-scoring game. It, it felt like nothing was going to happen, and then all the fireworks happened in that fourth quarter and turned into a classic pretty quickly. Yeah, the scoreless first quarter was something that really, <laughs> I think, threw a lot of people off there. Uh, any snacks? What did you indulge in during the game? Uh, just classic chicken wings, uh, nice. you know, little little chips, Doritos, pizza, you know, all the classics. Yeah, more more pizza and cookies than I should, uh, should admit here for sure. <laughs> um, okay, so... On VGK Today, the podcast that you do an incredible job with. Thank you. Last week, you, Shane Knighty, and Aiden Hill had some fun playing a little game, leaning into the Super Bowl theme here, and you were going through different football positions and saying which Golden Knight would best fit the position. So I'm going to let you, we'll talk about what Aiden Hill said, and then you'll give us your input, and then we'll see if I agree. Okay. Okay, which Golden Knight would be the quarterback? So I went with Alex Petrangelo. My reasoning for that, a guy that we'll definitely talk about today, is getting in game 1,000, makes great decisions on the back end, is always calm back there, and just a leader. So, you know, when you translate to that to the quarterback position, need to make those right decisions, don't turn the ball over. I think he'd be a great guy at that. Yeah, Aiden Hill said Shea Theodore, which my initial reaction was, obviously, he can quarterback a power play quite well. Yep. Ask Alex Petrangelo, she could use the same argument there. Yep. Um, God, I think you'd go. I'd go Mark Stone. The hockey IQ. Yeah, never a bad smart play. The leader, mm-hmm. right? Leader on most teams. I think that's a, a easy transition there. Uh, what about running back? I went with Chandler Stevenson. Thought about the speed and the ability to you know get out in space and get around guys like he does on the ice. I think it could translate well to the football field. Aiden Hill said Will Carrier. <laughs> so he can run through guys with power. Absolutely accurate. Little thunder and lightning there. We'll carry yeah, a little bit of a bruiser. Accurate. Yep. And then uh, tight end or receiver, who do you say for that one? I went with Nick Hague. I just went with a big body, a guy that's six six. Uh, one guy you can just throw the ball up, and good chance he comes down with it. So just a nice sure-handed target over there. Yeah, Jonathan Marshall. So maybe not the biggest target in the world. Little slot <laughs> receiver. You know, but I was thinking, you know, think about it in hockey. You get him the puck, he'll put it in the back of the net. Yep. He'll take the puck, and he'll he'll score with it, right? So, you know, I don't know. That was kind of my thought there. Interesting here is that Aiden Hill said William Carlson. What do you make of that one? <laughs> it was funny. You know, he said his reasoning was that he was quick on his feet, you know, maybe can beat guys at the line of scrimmage. Uh, I, don't, I don't mind that pick. That's a pretty solid one. You know, different flavors of pass catchers that we all picked there. So I like the variety that we had. There's one reason I don't like William Carlson being named the receiver. Do you know what it is? I don't know. I'm he curious. He would be the kicker, obviously. <laughs> obviously. He's the he's the soccer guy on the team. He's a soccer guy on the team. Uh, huge soccer fan. He's usually leading the two-touch game before games. And not to mention, if he's a first star, he just punts that pillow <laughs> right into the crowd. I mean, he has to have a kicking position. They can do both, you know? Save a roster spot, essentially. Yeah, it's very true. It's very true. <laughs> I guess, kind of like on the ice, he's multi-talented, That's right? That's very true. Right? He, he can score. He's a great defensive forward he he does it all um all right well we'll transition into talking about hockey now not just hockey players and what they would do uh, on the football field um 
perfect for the Golden Knights coming out of the All-Star break. It's kind of crazy that there's only been two games played since yeah. that All-Star break, especially considering the bye week was before that. It's felt like an interesting two, we- or two weeks, I guess, at least from a Golden Knights perspective with such few games. Yeah, and, and, and really nice part of the schedule for the VGK because that schedule was so front-loaded. There were yeah. so many road trips that they had to take, and there were so much that they had to go through. And I think especially with some of the injuries that they're still dealing with now, a great time to have these games a little bit more spread out and have the ability to kind of drip-feed guys back into the lineup, yeah. as we saw with Carlson and Hill. And, you know, really impressive with that game in Arizona because there was so much hype built for the Tuesday game versus Edmonton. So mm-hmm. you could call that a trap game, if you will, in Arizona, but they had their minds right. They started off really fast, and they got a great performance all around to still get that win. You talk about the great timing of the All-Star break. Uh, Shea Theodore returning this week in a red non-contact sweater. Uh, you, you always still have a little bit of a ways to go when you're still wearing that sweater, but I think that's something that really feeds the group. Oh, it's a huge boost. And you know, you've seen some of the guys they've tried to put in those positions. We saw Lucas Cormier up for a bit, Daniil Miramanov in the last game. And you try to emulate some of the things that Shea Theodore can do in terms of the power play and just bringing the puck up offensively on the rush. But you can't match him. Yeah. And there's only one Shea Theodore. And having a guy like that back is just so nice for that back end. Braden McNabb getting his partner back as well. So, like you said, a little bit further away still with yeah. the red no-contact jersey, but really nice to see him, at least on the ice. And Ben Hutton has been skating as well. Toby Bjornfit has been skating as well. You mentioned Daniil Miramanov. I want to get into him a little bit later when I'm going to ask you just kind of, you know, what's going on around the Henderson Silverdites these days um, as he, you know, came back up and had a, had a good showing uh, in Arizona for the Golden Knights. But uh, the depth of the blue line, it's going to be interesting as more and more decisions have to be made there. Yeah, and, you know, we saw Caden Korzak go down to Henderson, yeah. and he's a guy that he's been thrown into the lineup, and he has passed with flying colors so far this season. So there's so much depth on that blue line, and you know, we make so much of, and we did last year as well, when the top six get in yeah. the lineup for the VGK, how much of a different team this is. But they've had so much depth at that position this year that there hasn't been a huge drop-off given the guys that they've been able to throw in, and I think that's a big reason for the success early on in this season. Of course, when you're talking about the top six, you're talking about the back end, but the top six on the forward side of things have been quite good as well. Uh, you, as many, uh, have been have been very impressed with the Nick Wall line with Ivan Barbashev and Jonathan Marchessault. So. Yeah, and... Another place you could expect a big drop-off with Jack Eichel, of course, uh, you know, on both sides of the puck as Jack has grown his game, but those guys have really stepped up in the 10 games since Eichel's gone down, and you look at the point totals, Wah 13 points, Marcheseau 13 points, and Barbashev 12 points in their last 10 games, Marcheseau with nine goals in that span as well, so both of those guys, or all three of those guys have been excellent, and, you know, as much as we talk about some of the guys that have had to fill in from Henderson or you know the guys that are getting into the lineup, I think it's really impressive to see a guy like Nick Waugh who's really taken on that new role. You know, Of course, he contributed offensively down with the fourth line with those guys, but really taking that to the next step and still maintaining his defensive prowess, but now he's chipping in offensively as well, and it's been really great for the VGK. Yeah, he's definitely chipping in offensively. Uh, he talks about you know the confidence being there, but it seems more than just a confidence boost. He looks yeah. like you know he's... Not a different player. Bruce Cassidy has been the first to say it. I know he's an offensive player. There's a reason I put him on the power play. I know he can make plays. Um, but this very well may, you know, change the role of Nick Wall moving forward when guys are even healthy. Yeah, you know, we saw that last year as well. It was kind of a, a trial for Bruce Cassidy and throwing some guys up with the Mark Stone line or the Jack Eichel and Jonathan Marsh or so, and you know, trying to see how they fit. And I think Nick Waugh in this spot is a guy that, okay, you know, let, let's see how he fits at that center position there. And, again, he's just been excellent there as a playmaker, 10 assists in that 10-game span, and a guy that, you know, 
of course, you still want the defense to be there, and I think Bruce Cassidy definitely wants that to be maintained throughout this offensive stretch, but now he's able to see what Gua is capable of, and more confidence moving into the postseason if something were to happen that he can play him up in the lineup. And I mentioned if you get Jonathan Marsh to sew the puck, you can put it in the back of the net <laughs> when we are comparing him to a receiver and why he might be a receiver. Uh, it definitely seems to be trending that way for him as well with that first shift of the last game. Perfect example. Oh, yeah, incredible. 19 <laughs> seconds into the game, he gets the goal. And, you know, Barbashev even said after the game, well, I wasn't expecting it that quick yeah. <laughs> to, to get the start going in Arizona. But just impressive. And another one of those guys in Marsha, so where when guys come out of the lineup, he's the guy that you look toward to step yeah. up. And he has consistently done that for this team in his time here. And, again, nine goals in the last ten games for him since Eichel's gone out. He hasn't missed a beat, and he's really been carrying the load offensively for the VGK. And someone who is starting to do that as well, Chandler Stevenson. Uh, that line has also been very good, um, he, of course, with uh, Mark Stone. Back-to-back uh, -back game-winning goals for Chandler Stevenson. Not just goals in back-to-back -back games, but game winners. Uh, for a guy who, you know, maybe from a production standpoint on the score sheet, his season has not been, you know, maybe what he would want it to be. Um, how far do you think that can go? Back-to-back -back game winners. Oh, very far. And, you know, we saw it last year a bit, too. When he starts to ramp up at the mm -hmm. right time, it just brings everyone up on this team. And, you know, Bruce Cassidy even talked about after the Arizona game, getting that three-headed monster going yeah. a little bit. You know, you have that top line. Now you're starting to get that second line going. They've had the third line scoring as well. So when you get that going and Chandler Stevenson gets going like that and at key times of the game and is able to get those game winners, and you know, especially in the Edmonton game when it comes in the third period and a tight game and a playoff atmosphere, that's huge for this team. Well, he pointed out about that three-headed monster, too. He said, when I talk about the three-headed monster, I mean I want the top three lines being <laughs> able to score. But he said he was really impressed with the fourth line last mm -hmm. game as well, which was Brett Howden, Keegan Colasar, and Jonas Romberg. Um, are, we're really starting to see that depth that we saw last season. It's, it's kind of hard to believe. I was looking at what the record was in January. They had the best record in the NHL since January 15th. Uh, but when we came back from break, we were looking at all the guys who were still injured. So it's it's going to be very interesting to see how much more upside there even is to what we've already seen once some of these guys start coming back. Oh, yeah. And you mentioned that fourth line as well. And I, th you know, I think for any fourth line, you, as long as you can get them to play in the offensive zone and you mm -hmm. know just eat some minutes, that, that's the minimum that you want, right? But the yeah. fourth line for the VGK the last couple of years has been so much more than that. They've been shut down defensively. They've contributed offensively. And even in the last game in Arizona, Jonas Ronberg with a couple of chances. And you know he talked over the, uh, the Edmonton game, talking about how he models his game after William Carlson and the fact good, that... Good guy to choose. Yeah, he, it, it just being an all-around player. And the next step for him he wants to take is just being more assertive offensively, taking the puck toward the net and getting some of those chances inside. And, you know, we know the defensive game and the penalty killing is there for Jonas Ronberg, but starting to see him take that next step with more minutes. And it is, you mentioned he does want to get more involved offensively. That is certainly the next step. But Bruce Cassidy gave him a huge nod in that game against Edmonton by putting him with William Carlson because of his strong defensive play like what is that mm -hmm. what do you think that says and what does that do for a guy like that to have that kind of trust given from the coaching staff knowing that you're going to see a lot of Connor McDavid and a lot of Leon Dreisaitl that night yeah well you know the the big story was that Carlson was going to draw that matchup but it was his first game back so you yeah. know even though you expect him to be the normal William Carlson you want to make it as easy as you can for him to kind of ease him back into the game and to your point a Huge nod for Ron Bjerg to be in that spot and to be on that line for Bruce to say, okay, you're going to be the guy that's helping him out here against McDavid and Dreisaitl and all these top guys. 
And, again, that just speaks to his defense. You know, sometimes the offense might not be there for him. He's trying to work on that, trying to build that game. But Bruce trusts him defensively. And we know for Bruce Cassidy, if he can get that trust defensively, that's an easy way to get into the lineup and at the very least play some big minutes. You know what we don't talk about enough is Jonas Ronbjerg as a person. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, see, you've had a chance to, to talk to him and work with him yep. in Henderson. Uh, what stands out to you about him? Just one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. I mean, he's just, he's so soft-spoken. It's funny, you know, you see him on the ice, and he's running around, and and he's making these big hits and defensive plays, and you get off the ice, and he's just so soft-spoken, so yeah. calm. He wouldn't hurt a fly. It just really a great guy to have around, and, and just such a calming presence to be around. And yes. It's it's almost like that switch gets flipped when he goes on the ice, and we see that sometimes with athletes where when they get on that playing surface, yeah. it's a completely different animal, but he's just such a great guy to work with and, and such a great person. One of my favorite memories uh of him this season came early. I think it was San Jose. That was that maybe the second game of the regular season. He was up, and we asked him, you know, how are you different than last year? How did the off season make you better? You know, but I just, we said, how are you different? And he said, oh, I'm just the same, Jonas. And I was like, <laughs> well, that that could not make us any happier to hear. Um, as you mentioned, he was on the fourth line last game with Brett Howden and Keegan Colasar. You talked about the importance of that fourth line to this group. What's really impressive, though, is that the cast of who makes up that fourth line has been extremely inconsistent because of the injuries. You never know who it's going to be, yet it kind of keeps that same identity. Mm -hmm. What do you think that says about Keegan Colasar? Because he's really been the constant there. Yeah, and it's just just having one of those guys from that trio that we saw last year of Walk, Harry, and Colasar, and it's kind of just bringing the next guys along. And like you said, we've just seen so many guys. Byron Fraze has stepped into that role yeah. from Henderson. And they immediately seem to just play with that identity that, okay, we're going to go out here, we're going to dominate defensively, and we're going to do our best to shut down the other team. And to your point with Kolasar, one of the best hitters in the NHL, he's never afraid to bring it phys uh, physically. No. And, again, another guy that contributes at the right time offensively, it feels like. You know, of course, you're going to have your Eichels, March of so Stones that get all the points, but when you need something, you need some kind of depth scoring, it seems like Keegan Kolasar is always there. And he had that beauty of a goal a few weeks ago. He's known for the tip-ins. That's what he works on after oh, yeah. practice every single day, but the beauty of a goal really. Uh, really got the team going. All right, well, uh, before we head to break, I want to tell you guys that the Dollar Loan Center in Henderson is the home for Henderson sports. Don't miss any of the action of the Henderson Silver Knights, Vegas Nighthawks, NBA G League Ignite, and the Vegas Thrill. We'll talk about them in a little bit. But for more information about upcoming events, visit thedollarloancenter.com. And in the meantime, we are going to head to break. When we come back, we talk about the 1,000th regular season game for Alex Petrangelo. Stick around. We're back to Nighttime at Noon on your home for the Vegas Golden Knights, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Welcome back to Nighttime at Noon. I'm Ashley Vice with Justin Russo ahead of tonight's matchup with the Minnesota Wild and game number 1,000 for Alex Petrangelo. So we've, we've set the scene on what's made the Golden Knights successful, not only this season, but post-All-Star break in particular. Uh, now let's talk about Alex Petrangelo a little bit in this 1,000 regular season game milestone. Uh, important to note that he's also played 132 playoff games, so that's that takes a toll on the body too. <laughs> that's the hardest kind of hockey you could possibly play, right? Um, but what's the most impressive thing to you about 1,000 games? I think, well, the availability, first of all, to be there for his teams to do that. And he, it's not like he's... 40 years old or something. He's only 34. He's yeah. got a, he's got a lot of time to go still. So he's been there. He's been available. And, and he told this to Gary Lawless when he spoke to him this week too, his adaptability. He's played a long time in the NHL, and he's adapted his game to how it was when he came in all those years ago to now. And 
a guy that even within games, whether it's a six to five shootout or a two one defensive game, you just throw him out there and you know he's going to handle it. And he can play in so many different situations, and it, it's just really impressive that with how hard he plays and the hard way that he minutes. plays, that hard minutes every night he gives it his best and he's still going and. 1,000 games is just incredibly impressive. Well, that first game came on October 10th of 2008. I'm a little afraid that you're going to make me feel old here, Justin, <laughs> but I'm going to give you a little 2008 trivia. Could you guess what the top song was in October of 2008? Ooh. Number one on the Billboard charts. Uh, 2008. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to maybe uh, Black Eyed Peas, something, something around there. That's a there. good guess. That's a good guess. Whatever You Like by T.I., do you know that one? I do know okay, that, that song. That makes me feel yeah. a little bit not, better. Not that, that old, that one. yeah. Makes me feel did, a little bit. I did know some of the Usher songs last night as oh, well, so I, no. I picked up Give a little me bit a of break. that. At least you know <laughs> you have to know "Burn," right? Yeah. Let yeah. it burn. Okay. Uh, Confessions was on there. Yep. Hopefully you know that one. Mm-hmm. I'm curious which ones you. Maybe it was the newer ones you didn't know. Probably. When yeah. I say newer, I still mean probably 10 years old. But yeah, <laughs> whatever. Uh, top movie. Top movie. This is just in 2008 in general, not necessarily. It was too hard to track. Hmm. October of 2008. What was the yeah. number one grossing movie in the box office in 2008? Uh, was it, I'm, I'm going to guess the first Iron Man movie. No, but close. Okay, different superhero movie. <clears throat> okay. Will that give you a hint? Oh, I got to I gotta go back here and think. I'm trying to think of the, the Marvel Universe when that all started. Ah, I don't have a good guess on that one. I'm trying to think. The Dark Knight. Ah, yeah. Okay. That was a good one. I remember when that movie came out. Okay, all of this is making me feel old. Uh, Alex Petrangelo made kind of a similar comment when he caught up with us yesterday. So let's take a listen to what he had to say ahead of game number 1,000. What's it been like not only, you know, to have the one game celebration, but to have this weekend off and be able to celebrate with so many people that you care about this weekend? Yeah, I think the timing was good for us because um, – we got a break before and then a break after. A lot of people coming from uh, back home and a lot of people from St. Louis. So it's been a special weekend. Um, it's not many times you get all of your closest friends and family together. Uh, and uh, I got to give my wife credit. She organized most of the stuff that's going on. And, uh, you know, I said last night, like, I haven't had everybody together since our wedding, right? So, like, these opportunities, you really try and uh, take it all in and enjoy the time with each other. Can you tell us a little bit about what she did for you last night? Um, she did. It was pretty impressive. I knew nothing going on. Um, we had everybody get together. All the guys in the team came. We had a little uh, a little gathering. Enjoyed a couple uh, drinks together, and um, you know what? Nothing wild, but just to see your friends. Some you know some of my friends I grew up with since I was a little kid. Um, just catching up with those guys. You know, life gets busy, especially when everyone has wife and kids and families. And, just to kind of slow things down for a bit, enjoy your time together. There's probably a good 20 kids there too, so kids had fun, parents had fun. It was just uh, overall, it was a great night. In what ways has this felt different than like a Cup Day celebration? Well, um, the Cup is more so. You know, I don't think anybody wins the Stanley Cup. Um, it's more of a team thing, right? You celebrate the team and what you did. And, uh, I'm not too fond of having too many pictures of myself up anywhere, but there were some up last night. And, and uh, again, it's a good opportunity to kind of take a step back. And, you know, we get caught up in our job too, right? And, our, and like I said, so um, see the pictures of, you know, my family and my kids with the Stanley Cup and everything that's happened in my career. And then looking back at my draft year pictures, all that stuff, it's just... It's pretty crazy how fast time goes. What comes to mind when you see those draft day pictures and those early headshots? Well, I looked a lot fresher before I had four kids. <laughs> 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 Love my kids to death, but, you know, uh, 
you know, it's, like I said, time goes by fast. And I, I had some of my old teammates here that were there when I first started. And, um, you know, you don't get to this spot without a lot of good people on the way. And, and I said, I love what I do, um, but I love the people. And you meet a lot of really good people along the way. And uh, I don't think you play long in this career without those friendships. I know it's tough to talk about yourselves. You guys don't like to do that. You like to talk about the team. But can you describe what the 1,000-game milestone means to a hockey player? Like if you look back at when yeah. you were young and what that 1,000-game milestone meant. I think obviously the big one is um, winning the Stanley Cup, right? That's a big milestone. That you, you want to achieve that. But I think um, when you get further in your career, there's not many individual milestones that you really get to. And this is obviously a big one. And I get, keep getting reminded not that many people have done it in the history of the NHL. So um, I think I'm really trying to enjoy it for what it is. And, uh, and like I said, I don't think I get to where I am without, one, my wife and my kids, right? They kind of keep me going, my, all the teammates and, and everybody that I've crossed paths with throughout the years. You mentioned that it's something that not as many people have done as you might think. He's only the 38th active player to hit the milestone. And something about him, Justin, it is so refreshing. He is hes a leader on this team. He has two cups. He does what it takes. He's the ultimate pro. He's doing everything um, on the ice day in and day out, setting the best example. But to him, being a hockey player is second. Being a mm-hmm. husband and a dad <laughs> is first. There's never any question about that. There's just, I don't know, there's something always so refreshing about listening to him speak about that. And and that's what he said last year when Evelyn was going through her illness too, that it was the first time that he was watching the games, he was taking taking it all in, but he wasn't ready to jump back out there. It it was something that he was trying to get back to her and Mm -hmm. tend to her. It It was just something that was completely off his mind. So family first for Alex Petrangelo, a great family man, as all of his teammates will tell you, and a guy that's done it the right way. Something cool. Uh, he talked about the the celebration that they had over the weekend. Perfect timing, by the way. They had <laughs> Friday, Saturday, Sunday with all of his friends and family that made it in town. Um, and then they have, obviously, today he'll have a big crew of people there, understandably. Um, they'll be celebrating after the game as well. But his wife, Janie, uh, for that party had a drone show. <laughs> so there was music, uh, drones in the air, making you know logos of each of the two teams he's played for, uh, outlining. There was a Stanley Cup, and it you know showed the two years that uh, he won, of course, 2019 and, and 2023, and a big congratulations from the whole family, written all in drones. It was it was impressive. Um, and it's also, you know, I kind of alluded to it in the, question that I asked him, but hockey players don't like to talk about individual milestones. So I'm glad that he's really taking taking it in, saying, mm-hmm. hey, yeah, it, it's cool that I'm able to do this. And, you know, he's also been saying that one of the things he wished he could have gone back and done differently was just in, in his career would just take it in a little more yeah. and just be able to live in the moment. And of course, that's tough for a young guy coming into the NHL. You want to cement yourself and your role on the team. But I think now you're starting to see him be able to enjoy it a little more. And I think him and Alec Martinez both, when they you know, bring in some of these young defensemen and try to teach them the ways, that's something that they've been preaching to them, that it's going to go by fast. you yeah. got to enjoy the moment while you can. So good to see him embracing that. The banter between Alex Petrangelo and Alec Martinez <laughs> is top of the top, too. I guess I should just say, you know, I think a lot of that's driven by Alec Martinez. I'll be the first. <laughs> he, he could get that going with anyone, but that's always fun to hear. Oh, yeah, and two veteran guys. They know how to give it to each yeah. other. And, you know, even Alec Martinez, if, if we're able to hear from him a little later, you know, talked about all these great things about Alex Petrangelo and said, let me 
rein it in a little bit here. I don't want it to go all go to his head here. So uh, you know those those guys specifically and the entire group, they just have a great time with each other, and uh, you know, great to see. Alec Martinez also gives one thing that he wants Alex Petrangelo to do better in his next thousand games. So stick around for that. Uh, before we head to break, because it is a game day, want to let you know that if you want to watch your Vegas Golden Knights for free, Script Sports is bringing all locally broadcasted games to fans for free within the team's broadcast territory. Fans can now watch the Golden Knights on Script Sports through Vegas 34. Visit NHL.com slash Vegas Golden Knights for more information about Script Sports and television broadcasts this season. We'll hear from Alec Martinez and the head coach Bruce Cassidy ahead of this one when we come back on Nighttime at Noon. Live from City National Arena, this is Nighttime at Noon on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Welcome back to Nighttime at Noon with Ashley Weiss and Justin Russo. And now, Bruce Cassidy, because he spoke to the media this morning ahead of this game with the Minnesota Wild. Let's take a listen. I haven't seen you guys in a while. Do anything exciting this weekend? Huh? Did you end up going? No. What was your Super Bowl party like? Uh, neighbor's house, kids, friends, um, people through a nice, real nice event, lots of good food, TVs everywhere, indoor, outdoor, heaters on, whatever, the whole nine yards. It's a good day. Huh? Did you get any squares? Zero squares. Oh. I mean, uh, I know you talked about it, obviously, since his return after each game, but overall, since he's been back, just the confidence level, maybe he brings it to the team. I don't want to make it sound like a knock against a team that they weren't playing with confidence, but when Aiden is back, he's in bed, he's playing like he's playing well, that's a position that uh, can do that, can influence the team more than other positions, just because the importance of it, right? So, um, to me, uh, yes, you can see it a little bit. Guys probably relax a little bit knowing he's back there and will bail us out. Um, and certainly Logan does that too. It's not a knock on him. It's just, right. Hilly's just at the top of his game. It's that simple. Like, this isn't judging anybody else. He's just in his zone when he's in there. Uh, it happened in the playoffs last year quite a bit, and it's happening now. So we do get that effect. And I think teams around the league have that with certain goaltenders. And it's the opposite when they're struggling, right? You're almost like, well, we don't want to, we want to block every shot, run out of position, and, you know, to just make every, kill every play, which, usually is the wrong thing to do, right? Because now, you know, we're, we rely on a system. Players rely on one another, support. And then you rely on the goalie to be the last guy to, to put out the last fire if it does break down along the way. So he's done a terrific job with it. Good for him. He's, like I said, worked hard to get back into the lineup, get himself where he needs to be. And uh, last year he worked hard to get himself into the lineup in the playoffs. He was a bit of an unknown. You know, he'd been in the league, but not a big household name. So... All the credit should go to him. Obviously, Sean Burke's done a lot of work with him. And um, yes, but it does help our team a lot knowing that. Where are you Not great. We had an optional skate this morning. Some guys are feeling a little run down, but we should have two players ready to go. Um, a few may come to the rink and, and we'll find out, but it just seems to be going through the team right now. But Logan is definitely out. Uh, Hill starts and Patera backs up. A little bit about, um, well, first of all, we're trying to get a look at Miro, right? So that's first and foremost. And we just felt Corsi was, was playing good, consistent hockey. So we put him ahead of Zach for that game. Uh, wouldn't have been a long-term thing, but 
Sometimes it's good for the player to know that, hey, those young guys pushing from underneath. It's great for the organization in any position when you got young guys that push the, the more veteran guys. Um, so that's what went into it. The decision to send Korzak to Henderson, is that all from upstairs? Or well, I mean, we discuss all those things. That just becomes a little bit of now we're going to keep a veteran guy out every night, right? And we weren't prepared to do that. We want to do it for a game. We knew that at some point if we're going to get Miro in, someone has to be out. It was Whitey the other night. And it was going to be Corsi. Uh, well, it is Corsi tonight. Um, so that's just that's just how we, we've mapped it out here a little bit in the short term. And then in the long term, It'll depend when guys come back into the lineup and who outplays who, but we do want to see Miro a little bit. It is a good opportunity with a guy like Theo out of the lineup, um, bring some of those attributes. Power can help us in the power play, so that's kind of how we arrived at that and uh, see what we got. We saw him a little bit last year. He played, what, five or six <laughs> games in Henderson, so um, it's a little bit of that time of year. Theodore coming back, getting close to coming back, is there is that a little urgency on those guys proving that they're the one well, there is a little bit, right? Like Theo's skating. You see him out there. He's in a red sweater, so he's not playing tonight. But, you know, we've got five more days now of practice. So I can't tell you when he'll be in, but he's getting much closer. So is Hutton. So at the end of the day, uh, some of these younger guys, we can't play them all, and they can't all be on the roster. So this is just a little bit of roster management, asset management, evaluation uh, for a guy like Miro. We know what Theo can do and Huddy can do. And White Cloud for that. And, and now we've seen a lot of what Corsi can do. He's brought some real value to this to this hockey team at a, a you know, for a young player and a, a position, especially a right shot D. They're not that easy to find. So these are good things. And that's a little bit where why we're looking at Miro too. It's a another I wouldn't say as young as Corsi, but uh you know, he's not as far along in his professional career because he came over later. We wanna try to do our best to make sure that we have a the best read on every guy possible. Sure. Music trivia? Nope. <laughs> 80s uh, variety show trivia? <laughs> like good times? All in the family? Anything? Fire away. <clears throat> Thir- we'll get back to all the family. Like 13 coaching changes in the last nine months. Yeah. 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 Well, I think. Uh, it's an easier avenue than trying to shake up the team by moving players. I think in maybe years ago without the cap, you could make one of those. There were like three for three trades. They happen, you know, not all the time, but they happen a lot. You rarely see those anymore. So that's one way you can shake up your room. The easiest way is usually the coach. There is no, you know, salary cap for coaches. Either. So there's that part of it. You can go as through as many or as little as you want. I think parity comes into it too. I think every team goes into the year. When I say every team, I think most every team believes they've got a shot at the playoffs, right? There's always a few that, and I don't want to get into other teams' motives, but there's probably a few that say, hey, we're a little bit away, so we're going to you know, do our best. But at the end of the day, we're not. Our expectation's probably a little different. But there's a lot more teams that expect to be in there. And if they get off to it, it's usually the starts, right? The bad starts that kind of hurt. Uh, if you go through the coaches this year, the Edmonton, Minnesota, St. Louis a little bit that, that feel like they could be in. So uh, I'm not, again, those aren't my, my calls, Gary, at all. And I don't want to speak for other teams, but I think that's what happens. They don't want to get too far behind. And you just saw it a little bit with L.A. maybe. You know? So I think that's just it. It's the easiest thing to do.
Uh, I think there's a lot of qualified guys out there available too. Sometimes when you have a goalie problem per se, you might not like your guys, but maybe there's not a guy out there that's better than what you got. Whereas I think with coaches, there's usually a few out there that can help your team or might be right on your own bench that, that can help you too. You saw that with a couple examples. What was the name of Archie's bar? Okay, it's not Moe's Tavern. That's the Simpsons. It was something though like that, right? Uh, God, I'm going to have to think about that one. But that's later in the show. That that was his next show, yeah. right? That was the sequel. Kelsey's. What was the name? What is it? Kelsey's. Oh, I'm not even close. <clears throat> I thought it was an M. Sorry. All right, oh for one. It does you know, it happens to you know, the best of them. Anything else? Well, no, I one of the neighbors. Okay. All right. All right. Well, they've been up and down, inconsistent. Um, they, you know, they struggled, and then they got hot, and not, you know, then they struggled. Now they're getting it back a little bit. Some of that has to do with injuries. I think their team, some teams can survive injuries better than others. Um, they lost Spurgeon, who's a big part of their team, plays a lot of important minutes. You know, when Brodeen gets, was out for a bit or sick, what have it probably affects their team. Uh, Gustafson's not having the year maybe he had last year. Um, up front, I think Boldy had the slow start, but he's found it now. So they, they've got some scoring there. Um, but I think it's their back end injuries probably hurt them a little bit during those those stretches. Physical, I know John Hines' team will always compete. We saw it, and I saw it in Jersey. I saw it in the American Hockey League when we were younger. I saw it in Nashville. So I'm sure they'll be physical, which I think they've always had a little bit of that to their game, a little straightforward, um, you know, hard nosed hockey. So that's what we'd expect tonight. Felino's out by the looks of it, so he's one of the guys that that brings that. But I think it's a team wide mentality. It is, and, and his numbers, you know, like offensive point totals and um, two Stanley Cups, two different teams. He's really helped, played a big part in. I've seen both hand, you know, one I'm obviously much closer to here, but um, he beat the Bruins when I was there, so it saw how important he was to that team for a course of two weeks. So uh, happy for him, obviously. Um, very popular teammate. Some of the things you don't see is um, like a guy like Petro would be the first guy to go to a younger guy that might be struggling. So not only is he a good player on the ice, take care of business, plays 23 minutes against good players every night, he takes care of his, his teammates. They're not healthy yet, no. They're, they're, they're close. They're skating with us, but not there yet. Absolutely. Um, and John does a good job with that. You know, John deals with the D, so he, him and Petro, well, we all, listen, I have a great relationship with Petro, but John will dig around a little more, and that's by design. Uh, I'd like to delegate to John. He's been around. He's got a great relationship with Marty, too, and Marty and Petro are real close, so you can usually get a feel for what's going on in the back end there. We still have to make our decisions, like we did the other night, with a veteran guy versus a young guy, and that'll be our, our decisions all day long, but I think sometimes it's important to relay to him why, because he does have a, a voice with that with that group. Um, so we try to do that as much as possible. There's a, maybe a strange question, but we're thinking it here a little bit, which is what I do best. Uh, talk about the Super Bowl to start with the presser. Um, when it's here in Vegas and the NFL, how big it is, and you're in the home stretch here, 
sense of urgency, crunch time, good defending Stanley Cup. Can, can the excitement of how that game ended, and being here in Vegas, if some of the guys may have been there, and now you take the ice tonight, and in like sense of the home fifth, can that excitement and feel that championship, if you're the last NHL team to have a parade and feel the same elation that the Chiefs did, can it bleed over from one sport to the other and maybe help? Uh, I think so. I think we're we're a pretty focused group on what we want. I think it was great to have the Super Bowl here, um, to, to you know to soak in a little bit of that atmosphere. I like the fact that Kansas City won, so that's back to back because that's our goal, and maybe that gets talked about a little more. And I'm perfectly okay with that. I've said that. That's our goal. We want to be Stanley Cup champions again. So uh, the fact that Kansas City did it. You know, like now, now that's a little bit of a little carrot for us, a little bit too. Hey, someone else did. Let's go do it. You know, and that's another way we can motivate the group a little bit. Small thing, but still, I think it's good for sports and uh, it's good for us. Well, that reminds me, Justin, something that we didn't talk about as they're talking about all the star power that came with the Super Bowl. How about Lil John's appearance <laughs> in the halftime show, wearing the VGK championship ring? Always representing. You gotta love it. Showing out for Vegas and, and doing a great job at the show and putting some bling on as well. Always representing. He'll be at the game tonight. Uh, we are hoping to get an interview with him on Script Sports. Fingers crossed. That'd be awesome. That'd be a, that'd be a bucket list thing for me. Cross off the list. Interview oh, Little John one. on TV. We'll see. Might Hopefully be hard to see him on the camera with that Millard. big ring reflecting back into that's, the lens. So, that's yeah. very true. They might have to take care of that somehow. That's very true. <laughs> uh, speaking of star power, Bruce Cassidy mentioned Aiden Hill uh, and the way he just bleeds on to the rest of the team, that confidence, that swagger. Two regulation losses. Now, I know he's dealt with injury this season, so he's only appeared in 19 games. But two regulation losses as we sit in February is insane. Yeah, and it's not a sample size that's so small to where no. you're like, oh, it's just a couple of games here. He, 19 games, so this is yeah. a serious size for Aiden Hill, and he was so instrumental in the run that they had at the beginning of the season and now had the injury, and you can see that he has just picked up right where he left off. And... You know, there's been some injuries to the team this year, but I think one of the silver linings is that if they can get healthy at the right time, given how much hockey they've played over the last season, you're going to have guys in Jack Eichel, Shea Theodore, Aiden Hill that, yeah, they're rehabbing, but they got a little time away, they got a little rest, they haven't had as much of a toll on their bodies night in and night out. So if you can get all those guys back at the right time, the run really starts to form together here for the VGK. Yep, no doubt. And Justin, we're going to talk to you about the Henderson Silver Knights a bit as well. Uh, We'll preview the game a little more. Hopefully have time to hear from Alec Martinez as well. As we head to break, want to let you know that if you are not coming to the game tonight... I know where you can watch it because good times deserve great food. Stop by your nearest McKenzie River Pizza, Grill, and Pub location to grab a bite and cheer on the Golden Knights during their next game, which is tonight. Overlooking both rinks in each facility, the restaurants offer the best seats at City National Arena in Summerlin or America First Center in Henderson. Visit today or order online at McKenzieRiverPizza.com. Open daily from 11 to 9. We'll be right back. We're back to Nighttime at Noon on your home for the Vegas Golden Knights, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Welcome back to Nighttime at Noon with Ashley Weiss and Justin Russo, where we are getting you set for tonight's matchup between the Golden Knights and the Minnesota Wild and getting you ready for game number 1,000 for Alex Petrangelo. And Justin, we we told everyone that Alec Martinez was going to let us know how Alex Petrangelo can be even better in his next 1,000 games. But, of course, he gives credit where credit is due as well. So let's take a listen. 
What comes to mind when you think of players who reach the 1,000 game mark in their career as we look ahead to Monday for Alex Petrangelo? A lot of different things. Um, obviously, talent, um, dedication, durability, um, playing the game the right way. Uh, I can basically just describe Petro. Um, you know, there's obviously much more than that, but I mean, it's uh, it's a really incredible accomplishment. I mean, there's so many things that go into it. Obviously, um, you have the things behind the scenes and, and family support, and um, you know, we everyone who knows Petro knows that he has that. You know, in spades, and you know the stuff that he does off the ice to take care of himself, and the things that he does to to stay healthy, or you know, at least. You know, obviously no one's never going to get hurt unless you're Phil Kessel, but um, uh, to help like mitigate that risk. Um, and then on the ice stuff, I mean, I say it time and time again, I mean, the guy's an absolute horse. He's a, he's a number one D-man for a reason. Um, he's competitive in all areas of the rink. I mean, how sometimes I sit there just as his partner on the ice with him and thinking like how the hell did he just win that battle but he does you know he's a, he's a competitor he's, he's he's committed to all areas of the ice he's obviously gifted offensively um and the you know defensive part of it you know, you know obviously speaks for itself so um really i could go on and on um but i don't think i want to use your entire day or mine talking about this guy because I also don't want it to go to his head. I mean, honestly, the only thing that he's not good at is just maintaining personal space. He just has no grasp of like what these lines delineate, you know, like that, that, like this is my area. And beyond that, like I shouldn't spread my stuff beyond that area. Well, he's sitting at 999, maybe at, at a thousand he'll, He'll figure that part of the game out, but everything else I think he has pretty well down pat. During the Winter Classic, his kids even took over your stall. Yeah, I don't know. His whole family, he's got 8 million kids, and all of their skates are just sitting in my stall, all snowy. It's all wet, you know? Um, but, yeah, so hopefully it, it, it'll take him a 1,000 games to figure, figure out uh, the concept of other people around him. You mentioned him being a horse, the kind of minutes that he plays. How much more impressive does that make this kind of milestone? Well, yeah, I mean, it's just he plays all situations. I mean, um, you know, obviously you can argue that penalty kill is maybe physically more taxing than, than power play would be. But, I mean, he's still out there. He's getting up and down the ice. He's making the breakouts all the time. I mean, the guy, we call him Iron Lung. Like, I, I think I've legitimately heard him say I'm tired like once, maybe. Um, but... Uh, but yeah, and then on top of you know special teams, he, he plays against the top lines, and and he he has pretty much his entire career. So yeah, that's a really good point by you. It's not it's not just a lot of minutes. It's it's hard minutes too. Uh, kind of off topic, but a, a big game tomorrow. I'm not going to ask what you game? about the big <laughs> game itself. Do you? Or, but are there any snacks or anything? Any food? Any go tos mm-hmm. on Super Bowl Sunday? Uh, Honolulu Blue Kool-Aid is usually my number one. That's what I'll be sipping on. Um, no, but uh, I don't know. I just like the usuals. I mean, can't go wrong with chicken wings or like a buffalo chicken dip, chips, salsa, uh, sliders kind of. I mean, I don't, I don't discriminate. Yeah. I mean, I'm probably not going to have sushi on Super Bowl Sunday. But, um, but yeah, no, all, all the usuals, all the usual suspects. Obviously, we were caught up with him the day before the big game yesterday. 
as always, he throws in that Honolulu Blue Detroit Lions <laughs> reference. I commend him for the commitment always. Um, but, uh, again, great to hear the banter between those two guys. It's something that Alex Petrangelo mentioned that out of everything he's reflected upon over these last few days getting set for this game, it's the people that stand out the most. Yeah, and without the people, as he said, no way he gets to this spot, whether that's his wife and his family or the teammates and coaches along the way. Um, as you said, no hockey player wants to be humble. They always give credit to those around him, and Alex Petrangelo, no different in his celebration of a 1,000 games. Uh, speaking of people, what's going on uh, with the people down in Henderson? Well, a couple of games last weekend for the HSK. Got a split on their weekend set. And nice comeback victory against the Ontario Reign on Friday. They were down 3-1. Had a couple of goals in about 30 seconds' time. Sheldon Rempel with the game-tying goal. And they got a shootout victory. It was their first victory in a shootout this season. They weren't able to continue it over the Saturday game. They lost 4 nothing to the Coachella Valley Firebirds, who have been really strong this season, uh, leading the Pacific Division, and they are defending Western Conference champions. They got all the way to Game 7 in the Calder Cup Final last year, losing in overtime. So a tough loss to a tough team there for the HSK. But, you know, as you look at the standings for Henderson, right now on the edge of that playoff spot, seven of the ten teams in the Pacific Division will make the postseason. Henderson in eighth right now. And a lot of the teams ahead of them have some games in hand, but it's really close. And there's about a five-point difference between third and eighth. So the Silver Knights have a big opportunity over this month of February where they're on the road. They have yeah. four more road games. They're not home again until March 1st at the Dollar Loan Center so they can rally around each other, get some nice road hockey in, and then see if they can make that playoff push here towards March. Hopefully a good crowd that night. If you don't have your tickets yet, get some. Go to the Dollar Loan Center and help the HSK down the stretch. Uh, on a personal, or sorry, individual note, uh, Adam Cracknell and Grigory Denisenko, All-Stars. Yes, Adam Cracknell. Unfortunately, the last game before the All-Star break, was hurt. So he went to the All-Star festivities, yep. took part with his family, but wasn't able to play, which is why Grigory Denisenko played in place of him, uh, had a couple of goals in the All-Star Classic, which was really nice as well. So hoping for a quick recovery for Adam Cracknell. Still some injuries on the back end, including Captain Jake Bischoff, who's out right now for the Silver Knights. So definitely looking to get him back. And wanted to talk about Daniil Miramanov real quickly, too, yeah. because, of course, Miro played his first game in about 13 months' time in the NHL uh, against the Arizona Coyotes last time out for the VGK. But when he came back for the Henderson Silver Knights in his rehab stand, it took him nine and a half minutes, and he had a penalty shot goal already on the board, quickly getting back into things. And as much as he said with the VGK that he feels 100 times better than he thought he would, what he told us down in Henderson was that he didn't rush his timeline. He had the timeline set. He knew which dates he wanted to do specific things and get back, and he just followed that, and that's led him to be in the place where he is now. Yeah, he told us, too, he learned a lot about himself, what he can withstand, that mental toughness and grit and He's another one. We talk about Jonas Romberg, but he's a guy you talk to him. You would never know that it's been a rough journey for him as you talk to him. No, not at all. And he gave a great post-game interview with uh, Dan Duva and Gary Lawless on mm -hmm. our radio broadcast again after that Coyotes game. And a guy that he's really thoughtful in his analysis. It was a long interview, and, and he just goes on with these answers and really thinks about what he's saying and gives illustrations as in terms of what happened on the ice and uh, just great to hear from him and another guy that's just a great person to have around yep. and also a great player. We should see him again tonight uh, with the Golden Knights, which brings me to this. What are you expecting out of this matchup with the Minnesota Wild? Got to expect to win tonight. A Wild team. They've played a couple of games post-All-Star break as well, but a thousand games for Alex Petrangelo. Yes. Of course, individually, that's going to be the storyline, but you have to think the guys get up for this one. Yeah, it's going to be a special one. So if you're going to the game, be sure that you get there early. If you're going to watch the game broadcast, for starters, uh, we hope you have it on for the pregame show anyways. But if you don't, turn it on early because there's some very special stuff planned 
for Alex Petrangelo in game number 1,000. It is also Lunar New Year night, so so much going on down at the Fortress. In the meantime, this was Nighttime at Noon with Ashley Weiss and Justin Russo. Justin, thanks for doing this. Thank you as well. It was a fun one. All right, Nighttime at Noon. It'll be back next Monday. See you later.